First Timothy chapter 3 and verses 14 and 15. The letter that Paul writes to Timothy is really cool because Paul tells us why he wrote it. We don't always have a purpose statement, but in this letter we do. I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. When Paul talked about us as God's people, he described us as the household, the family of God's people. And here's the thing about being a family. It's true in your own house, and it's true in this house as well. If you're going to be a part of the family, there are standards and lines. And so, you know, you've said this thing. I, I cannot tell you how many times I told myself I am not going to repeat the words that my dad said growing up, as long as you live in my house, and I think it was like the first time those words came out of my mouth. I was like, and then it just comes out of my mouth all the time. Like I've embraced it at this point. But the idea is, in this family, in this house, there's a standard of behavior. And if you're going to live in the family and be a part of the family, then you have to stay inside the lines. And I want to clarify something about that before we get started. Some things in our families irritate us. And many of you will be like, no. The kids are looking around like, not me, Mom, right now. But um, I always tell this story. I, I discovered recently, I was looking on the Internet. I don't know, it was an advertisement or something. And I thought, that's me. So I, I figured out that like I can diagnose, that is actually a diagnosable thing that I have um, with this right now. I can't remember the name right now, but it's the the sound of other people eating their food and drinking is for some people it's like irritating, but for me it fills me with rage. An irrational thing happens and I'll be sitting, you know, it's it's always my son. I love that boy. He's about to leave and it hurts me, but I won't miss this part. You watch. I'll probably cry the first dinner we have without him and I'll be like, where did it go? He, he drinks so, and it's like, and everybody's like, okay, do that. And I'm just sitting there like, and this is the thing about family. There are some things in family that just irritate us. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's not what this conversation is. Um, there are some things in our families and my house that will get you spanked. It's not just irritating. You're going to get whooped for that. And you'll stop crying. And we'll move on with our lives and keep on going. And that's, that's great. That's what we do. Sometimes in families there are hurts that are deep. And they take a long time to heal. Sometimes they even need some professional help to heal some deep wounds. And it's like, okay, we're going to get through this. It's going to take some time and it's going to take some prayer. That's not, that's not what we're talking about in this lesson. What this lesson is, if you're going to live in this family, there is a certain standard of behavior. And if you're not willing to live according to that standard, you're not going to be a part of the family. You have to leave. That's why this lesson is called responsibility. It's not just show up and receive all the benefits and everything is great. If I'm a part of the family, I have some expectations that are laid on my shoulders to be a part 
of the family. Um, I hate this conversation. <laughs> I hate to talk about this because I hope that you know this about me already. Like, I'm a wide open book. I want you to be in my life. And I want you to know where my heart is on all of these things. And so as I'm talking about family, I'm thinking about my family. And, and when I think about my family, it's always the kitchen table. That's where the Avengers assemble. We come to this place and it's dinner time and it's like, we are there. And it just is, and I'm sorry, I, I, I always hate to cause hurt in other people. We need to say the things that need to be said, but I take no pleasure in causing hurt for you because I know that some of you are in this boat. The thought of one of my people not being there at that table is just almost devastating to me. And that's the way it is with this family, too. We're a family, and we come together. And I want you to be a part of the family. And when we do, you we make mistakes all the time, and sometimes you get on my nerves. But we're a family, and that's what happens. But if you're not going to stay inside the lines, you have to leave. That's a hard conversation. It's not fun uh, for anybody. And so here's something from that book that I've been reading from a couple times this week, David De Silva, kinship, family, is not measured only by blood, but by similarity of conduct and pursuit of the same objects. Departures from the religion and values of the family could prompt the natural family to exert pressure on the individual to return to a respectable way of life, to be loyal to the family. In extreme cases, however, an unbelieving head of household might divorce or disown disloyal the disloyal so as to preserve the solidarity and the public honor of the family. The ancestral values and public opinion would be, in such cases, rated higher than family ties. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're going to do the unity thing. We're going to do the loyalty thing. We're going to cooperate together. We're going to suffer together. We're going to do all of this stuff and love within the family. But if you're not going to act like you're a part of the family, then you're not going to be a part of the family. There's three things I want to say this morning about this. Number one is part of the reason for this. Let me do this. I'm going to stick all the passages up there for you at one time. We're probably not going to read all of those, but I would like to give them to you as references in case you want to check this out on your own. But let's do this. Let's go over to Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, this is where we start to see some of the reason why there are boundaries and lines that exist in the family. And that's because if you're a part of the family and you go out into the world and act like a doofus, then you make the whole family look like a doofus. It's like you are reflecting the people that you are a part of. And I can't tell you, I mentioned this over and over again, it's like an ever-present cloud that follows me around. My son is about to leave uh, my house in August, and so we've been, we've been having this conversation. Son, you know, all these things. I, I love you. I want you to go out. Remember that you are representing our home when you leave. Your behavior reflects on all of us. And when we're a family of God's people, especially more than anything else, our behavior in the family reflects our Father to the world. 
Look at this passage, Romans chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 17 through 24. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, that's this. If you're going to say that you're one of God's people and you know his will and you approve what is excellent because you're instructed from the law, and if you're sure that yourself that you're a, a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, if you are going to say that you're one of God's people, verse 21, uh, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, listen to this, you who boast in the law, you dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. If you're going to walk around and present yourself to the world as a child of God, I'm one of his people, and I live as a part of his family, and then you go out and you act like a doofus, you make your father look silly. That's what Paul is saying to these Romans. Remember that you are reflecting the family that you claim to be a part of. That's what all of these different Timothy examples are. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, those who are shepherds, one of the qualities that a man must possess in order to shepherd a flock of God's people, and the last one, I think, is that he must be well thought of by those outside the church. And in this context, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If you're going to be a father figure in this congregation and everybody else in the world thinks that you're a weasel, what are those people going to think about this congregation? Right? It, you reflect your father and your family in the way that you behave. I do want you to turn to this one. Oh, I meant to bold it and star it and underline it on the screen. But go ahead and do that yourself. Look at Psalm 69 and verse 6. I love this passage. In this conversation, this passage is awesome. Psalm 69 and verse 6. Listen to this prayer. I hear pages. I'm going to let you get there. Because I want you to read it with me and see it. And if this is the kind of thing that you do with your Bible, I just highlight all of these things because I never want to forget them. Look at this. Psalm 69 and verse 6. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. You got that? Don't let me be the reason that shame has been brought upon God's people. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. I don't want to be the reason why people think less of God and his family. And so I'm not going to do the stories and the illustrations on this one, but I will throw this out there because it's the world that we live in, and it's something that we have to talk about right now. Please. And I'm even, I'm even going to go straight to the thing that I'm thinking about right now. We are stepping into election season, and some of you are on the Internet on social media. And you're going to put something out there for all the world to see that's going to make me go, 
I don't want to be associated with that. Why do you have to talk like that and say those things? You're making us all look silly. And it's not just the election season, although that's like prime time for people looking silly. It goes for every part of our lives. Please, please, it's not just in public. It's, 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 it's every part of our life. But please, would you remember that when you get onto the Internet and you start typing things, that you are reflecting your father and his family. And when other people see it, they think of us and him. It's something to be mindful of. I would, I would do this. I would form a practice in my life that every single time you get ready to hit go, you think, does this make my father look good? Does this make my family look like a family of God's people? And so it's something to be mindful of. That's why I bolded and underlined and starred, at least on my notes, Psalm 69 and verse 6, let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. I don't want to be the reason for it. I don't want to be the excuse that people who are not God's people think less of God and his family. Okay, I told you there were three things. That's number one. Number two, I'm going to throw all of these up there. Again, I don't think that we're going to look at them all, but turn over to Matthew chapter 18 with me, please. These are all the passages on the board. Uh, shouldn't say all. These are some of the passages on the board behind me right now that would fit into a conversation about withdrawing fellowship or disfellowship or whatever the thing is that you uh, want to call that. And the reason why I want to talk about that subject right now is because when you're doing a standalone sermon on this subject, it's really hard. It's re I haven't found a way to do it. It's really hard to do a standalone sermon on this subject when you're like, okay, you know, here's what the Bible says. Here's how we behave and all of this. Um, this subject belongs in a family conversation. And so now is the time to talk about this because this is not, when I look at, we're going to read this in a minute, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. It's not a human resources manual that says these are the steps that you have to go through in order to get rid of somebody. You know, you got you to gotta walk through the process and do everything right so we can check our boxes. This is us doing every single thing that we possibly can to keep the kitchen table together. It only belongs in a family conversation, and you'll see it in Matthew chapter 15, I mean 18 and verse 15. It even starts with that. If your brother sins against brother, that's family stuff. If your brother sins against you, some of your versions say if your brother sins, uh, you know, let's not do this thing where we're like, well, it has to be against me. And is it, if, if somebody in your family is getting close to the edge and his soul is in danger, how about that? If your brother sins against you, this is what you do. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. The idea is, you know, one of my kids steps out of line. I'll use myself as the example because that happens all the time. I step out of line and my wife doesn't make a production of it to the kids at the kitchen table. And she sure doesn't talk about it with her friends or people at church. She says, hey, babe, let's get this thing sorted out. You know, let's work through this because we're a family. And that's the way that you do things as a family. Let's work through this thing so so we can do it. And so if your brother 
sin, sins against you, as, and some sort of spiritual error that needs to be corrected, this is what we do. We go to him because we love him and we care about him. We're not checking boxes. We're trying to save his soul. And if you think about the kitchen table, you understand that. It makes sense. He says, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Here's another one of those things. I sure, I sure hope that you're like, what? I've never heard anything like that before. This is what this is not happening in this passage. This is not, I'm going to grab some people who are on my team and we're going on a witch hunt and we're going to get you. In the witnesses, that's sometimes what the standalone sermon does. When you talk about the steps and the process, this is a family where I talk to the people in my family that I love. And, you know, sometimes there's a barrier. Uh, I'm emotionally hyped up. You're emotionally hyped up. So what do we do? We ask for help. Some other people come in and they help us and they're like, you know what? Everybody at this table needs to take a deep breath right now. And we all probably need to step away. And we need to remember that we're a family and that we love each other. Let's see if we can work through this thing. That's what this is. And you keep going. And if that doesn't work, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And, and that is, okay, family, uh, we need some help in this situation. We're going to do every. This is our, this is go time. We got to save a soul. Let's go. And then the end of that story is, if this person just refuses to act like they're a part of the family, then you have to leave. You can't be a part of the family. That's a terrible thing to have to happen. But you read it with me on the page in the Bible. And I know that it's true in some of your homes. It always is. It's one of those things that has to happen. If you're going to be a part of the family. You have to act like you're a part of the family. Let's do this one because this one will tie in. Go to Romans 16. This one will be a part of something that we talked about already in these lessons. You don't just go straight to the morality thing. Like if I'm going to talk about morality, I'm going to go to the first Corinthians five. But family is more than living inside the lines of morality. In Romans chapter 16, in verses 17 and 18, and the reason why I'm at this passage is because the word brothers is there. This is a family conversation. In verse 17, I appeal... That's another thing. Listen to the words that Paul says. I appeal to you. I am begging you. The people that I love the most, more than anything in this world, what do you need me to do? You need me to get down on my knees? I'll beg you. I am begging you. Please, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetite by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive. And so the, the thing there is not just like, hey, you're, you're living outside the lines. I'm not going to read 1 Corinthians 5, but in that chapter... There's a man who has his father's wife, and that is not okay in the family of God's people. And so let's get this corrected. But if you're not willing to correct it, you have to leave. In this example, it's unity. This family, remember that thing? What happens if we're doing that thing, and there's somebody walking around chopping arms? No! 
tossing a grenade into the thing because you think it's funny, you know, or, or whatever the thing might be, disrupting the unity of the family. Remember that unity in the family is a matter of survival, and if you're going to be a disruptor of that unity, you have to leave. I don't want it to happen. It's probably one of the worst things that I can think of happening in, in any family. If you're going to be a part of the family, you have to act like part of the family. That's two. Number one, you reflect God's people. Number two, if you're going to be a part of the family, you have to act like part of the family or you have to leave. Number three, let's talk about forgiveness. Would you turn back to Matthew 18? I apologize. I should have told you to stick your finger there so you didn't have to find it again. I really like in, um, you'll have to forgive me. I don't have any idea where I am in the uh, slideshow right now. There we go. So when somebody hurts your feelings or does something more than hurting your feelings, whenever somebody hurts you within the family, and, and you know those family cuts, like they'll cut you deep. Deeper than, you can hurt my feelings. Not by making fun of my bald head. But there are some things that you can do to hurt my feelings. There's nothing you can do that can hurt me like my family can hurt me. Um, and so family can really hurt you bad. And the goal is for that person to repent and decide that they're sorry and come back to the family. But you know what's super hard when that person comes back and says, I'm sorry? is saying, I forgive you. That's number three on this conversation because we want the family to be together. And when someone comes back and says, I made a mistake and I'm, I'm sorry, uh, look at this. In Matthew chapter 18, in verse 15, that's where you have the whole, if your brother sins against you, we just read about that. And, and it's not an accident that the very next section in my Bible, starting in verse 21, is Peter who comes to Jesus and says, how many times will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? I added a word. He doesn't say have to. But the, the, the context is something like that. Um, we've done this in our house like multiple times and I'm getting a little bit at the end of my rope and tired of the same mistakes over and over again. But as long as you keep coming back and saying you're sorry, I'm going to keep forgiving you. And we're going to keep trying in the very next parable, starting in verse 23, is this, this story about somebody who was forgiven a ton. That's me in the parable. And then somebody offends me and I have to forgive them not a ton. The idea of the parable is something like this. The same way that you want to be forgiven by God, you offer that forgiveness to others. You realize that this in Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. The whole point of the story of the prodigal son, the point is not my son who was lost and now he's found. That story was told because there were a bunch of Pharisees who were not willing to accept the people who were coming in. That story, that parable of the prodigal son is about the older brother who refused. He said to the younger brother, what a loser. Like, look at what you've done. There is no way you get to come back right now. And the point of that parable is, don't be that guy. Three things to remember. Remember that you reflect your father and that you reflect your father's family. 
in the way that you act and the way that you live and the things that you write on the internet. Number two, remember that there are a set of boundaries and lines and rules within every family. And if you refuse to stay inside of those lines, then you're going to be asked to leave. And number three is when somebody does make those mistakes and they decide that they want to come back, our job is to be the father who runs out as fast as we can to hug them and say, I am so glad that you decided to come home. That's what God is doing for you right now. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you are the prodigal son who has chosen to go out and, and live in your own way and to make your mistakes and your father family conversation. Your father misses you. And he's sitting at home longing for you to come back home. And it doesn't matter that you have a long way to go to get back. When he sees that you're coming home, he's coming out to get you. And so are we. If you're not a Christian and you're ready to become one today, through God's Son, Jesus, if you put your faith in him, you're ready to repent of the sin that has separated you from God in the first place. I can't think of anything better to do than to stand before this group of witnesses and tell you all the one truth that has changed my life. Jesus is King. And I'm going to confess it right now and for the rest of my days. And then to die to yourself, to do with that dead person what we do with all dead things, bury them in the water of baptism. And when you come up out of that watery grave, you are born again into a new family to walk in newness of life. We'd love to help you with that today. Come forward as we sing the invitation. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.